Super Talk Mississippi media production. Celebrating the people who make coastal Mississippi a great place to live, work, and play. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by the South Mississippi Boat Show, Friday, April 29th through Sunday, May 1st. And by AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View. I hope you're having a great day. It's Friday on, uh, on Coast View, so that means Jeff Duncan's with us. And uh, we'll go ahead and bring Jeff in from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune and say good morning. How you doing, my friend? Ricky, I'm doing great. It's a great time of year to be uh, alive on the Gulf Coast. So uh, no complaints here. So listen, I came across this quote from Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Here's what it says. There are many ways of going forward, but only one way of standing still. <laughs> I, I like that. Boy, the Saints aren't standing still right now, are they? <laughs> That's a good lead-in. Very creative. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I think what what we've – if you read between the lines of the offseason, Ricky, uh, they're telling us a lot. Even though they're not speaking publicly, you can kind of see the plan uh, that's unfolding out on airline drive. I think the draft is going to be the most intriguing, uh, interesting draft we've had in a long time because of this recent trade with the Eagles and um, the roster building that's going on quietly behind the scenes. Uh, I'm writing about it this week at the Times, in the Times Picayune, because I've talked to a lot of people around the league trying to get a read on what's going on. I think I got a pretty good beat on on what Mickey Loomis is putting together. Well, you've already written about it, and and it is incredibly intriguing. I mean, you know, there's just a lot of be, being written today for people who are paying close attention, and this whole notion is the Saints aren't in a building mode they are they are in a winning mode and uh you're beginning to get pretty confident about that aren't you well i think they're doing i think they're doing both in a way i think they're being very shrewd which is typical of mickey loomis uh i think he's doing everything he can to remain competitive at a high level does not want to jeopardize the present for the future so he's trying to balance that out I think he's done a masterful job of doing it, keeping this team competitive, uh, trying to retain certain free agents, certain core players, while knowing their their salary cap limitations prevent them from keeping everybody. So they've lost some key people along the way, but at the same time, it's it's kept them competitive. In other words, they haven't had to bottom out, right? They haven't had that year where you just you just clear the roster, clear the deck. And you go three and thirteen or whatever. They haven't had that, and that's very difficult to do in the NFL in the salary cap era. I wonder. Okay, so essentially, the way that you sold the Philadelphia trade is is essentially saying they wanted to broaden their their possible uh, uh, moves. They. they they want to be able to move in a bunch of different directions here. Uh, how do you talk about it? Yeah, no, I think the word flexibility is what I used a lot. And this gives them a lot of flexibility. They could trade up. They could trade down. Uh, you know, they could sit still, still get two starters probably uh, out of this draft. But I think the key, Ricky, is the fact that they can now kind of control the back half of the first round if they want to trade down a little bit. I think Mickey Loomis said something this week to Peter King that opened my eyes. He talked about the fact that I think there's a a handful of teams 
five or six that have multiple first-round draft picks this year. Well, that means, of course, there's a handful of teams that don't have any first-round draft picks. And I think he's counting on, strategically, one of those teams getting desperate near the bottom of the first round where the Saints are at, maybe the middle of the first round, where the Saints are currently positioned and wanting to trade back up into the first round. And that would give the Saints more ammo maybe in the second round of a draft that, frankly, the way this draft is shaping up, Ricky, there's about most teams are going to have 20 to 23 first round grades, like a tier of 20 to 23 players. And once you get off that 23, the next like 50 to 60 players are all about the same grade. So I guess what I'm trying to say is the guy you get at the end of the first round at number 28 is going to be about the same level player you get at the beginning of the third round. So I think the Saints see that opportunity that maybe they can trade down with one of those picks and really bolster their roster if if that presents itself. Wow, that's interesting. That's interesting. And, you know, they've made a lot of good moves to bolster their their um, – you know their 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 team, but um, you know how would you after all these moves have been made? How would you define what what you believe their priorities are going to be? Well, I think in the draft it's pretty clear uh, they need to get a, a left tackle to replace Teron Armstead, a long term fix at that position. Those guys are hard to find. It's a critical position, so I think that's their most glaring need. I know a lot of people get caught up in. The receiver position, it's a sexy, glamorous position. It makes a lot of plays with the ball. Uh, and I think that's certainly an area that they'll address. But I think left tackle is by far the top priority. But they put themselves in a spot, like they always do, of filling out the roster with veteran players. A lot of guys that I found this interesting, Ricky. Almost every player they picked up this offseason was in the 2017 draft. I don't think that's by accident. Uh, that's the core of this team right now. Marshawn Lattimore, Ryan Ramchek, Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara. Those are all 2017 draft picks. All these players they've, assi- they've signed are from that same draft class. So it tells you there's a strategy there, right? They're marrying up the maturation level of this roster uh, with players from, from that are five and five-year veterans, six-year veterans. Uh, so that does indicate they're ready to win now, but they're not jeopardizing the future at the same time. I've never really thought of it that way. That's interesting that that the age of the player and the time that that player is in the league and marrying them up so they're yes. sort of at a similar place in their career development. I've never thought of it that way before. Well, let, me, let me put it to you this way. I, I did some work on this. This is fascinating. The Saints now will have on their roster from that 2017 draft class one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players from the top 109 players drafted from 2017. That's a lot, including uh, you got this past year they signed Justin Evans, who was the 50th player in that draft. Forrest Lamp was on the roster last year. They re-signed him. He was the number 38 player. Taco Charlton just signed was the number 28 player, first-round draft pick from 2017. Marcus May, the guy they signed to replace Marcus Williams, was the number 39 pick in the 2017 draft class. This isn't by accident. They're signing guys at the same age and experience level that fit the core of their roster. And that's the strategy, I think. They're, they're saying, we want to get this group 
this is going to be our core moving forward. Uh, they're not signing old guys. They're not signing really young guys. It's kind of guys in the middle. It's really interesting. And look, you know, you you mentioned several names, but Taco among them. I watched a video that they posted of how you know how he felt about coming to New Orleans, and he looks like he's going to be another personality. He's going to be another yeah. fired up personality on that defense. Yeah, and it fits in right with the the locker room culture the Saints have. Uh, they don't bring in guys that are, are not going to fit into the culture that's already been established. It's a heavy emphasis on their draft uh, personnel procurement. And I think this team could go in a number of directions in this draft, Ricky. I, I don't think anything's out of the question. They could draft to their strength. I mean, they are so deep right now. The defensive line, you mentioned Taco Charlton. They also brought in Jaleel Johnson, who's from the 2017 draft class. And then the other player they brought in the defensive line, uh, Contavious Street was from the uh, see he was from the 2018 draft class, so not that far off. But they are deep on the defensive line, so it would kind of surprise me to see them go in that direction. But there's also a philosophy in the league: adapt, draft your strengths, keep keep compounding that strength. Uh, but it would strike me as a little bit odd considering their needs on the offensive line and at receiver. And I'm still going to hold out that this team could draft a quarterback if the right one's there. But listen, man, this goes back to our past conversation. I feel so strongly about it the more I hear about this. Had we got the quarterback we were trying to get, <laughs> I'm glad we did not get him. Most of what you and I are talking about right now, we wouldn't be doing because we yeah. would burn so much of our cap yeah. for no, years no. to come. I think this this trade really opened up a lot of doors for them. It makes them a player. Remember last year, they were drafting at number 28 in the first round. They tried to trade up and get in the top 10. They wanted to draft J.C. Horn, the cornerback from South Carolina, or Pat Sertan, the cornerback from Alabama, the two top cornerbacks. They wanted one of those guys. They couldn't get a, a, another a team willing to trade down all the way to 28. They, don't, they didn't have the flexibility they've got this year. When you're at 16 and 19, now you can get up in the top 10. You could throw in another draft pick, and you don't have to jeopardize uh, everything to make that big. It's not that big a jump. So this trade gives them flexibility. If, say, at number 12, for instance, Kenny Pickett, the quarterback from Pitt, who I know they like, if he's still there at number 12, you could easily trade up from number 16, get a team willing to come down four spots and get, get a, a player like that. So I think they've got – really a lot of uh, options right now to go either way or sit still it's a little bit of science a lot about stats a lot about chemistry a lot about leadership a lot about burning the midnight oil it's so interesting watching what the saints do getting ready for the draft when we come back we'll continue our conversation with jeff duncan Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. 
His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune. We're talking about the Saints, but we're going to spend a little time on the Pelicans. they got an important game coming up with San Antonio on the play-ins. We'll talk about that for a second. And I actually have a question about Arch Manning, which Jeff has followed very, very closely. What an intriguing set of you know of decisions to make there um it's going to be a rich young man i actually have an idea on how rich to, but i want to see what jeff thinks as well but coming back to the saints you know jeff one of the things that hit me Trey, uh, the saints posted a video of the touchdown passes that traquan smith caught this year and well, first of all it was a reminder that he can make plays Okay. Yeah. The the other thing that was interesting was if you look at those those you see this run of quarterbacks that he had to he had to deal with. Then you're so you're reminded that we had no consistency at quarterback last year. And there was a stretch where each of them were playing pretty well. Okay. They never none of them actually were able to get into a a chemistry moment, but they were they were playing fairly well. But it was also a reminder of how many how many players, a record for the for the NFL, the Saints had to deal with because of injuries and COVID and all these other issues, and a lot of the a lot of the players now are posting. You see it as well as I do that if this team if this team can remain healthy, which we've had years in the past where we had really good years and stayed healthy, we could be special. Well, I tell you, I think it's one of the reasons why they made a change with the strength and conditioning uh, program and moved on from Dan Dalrymple, who's a good strength and conditioning coach, don't get me wrong, but his uh, practices were kind of old school, and they are going with this uh, uh, Chad Shea, who came in from the University of Alabama, who's much more analytical, much more progressive in in the plan that they are implementing out there as far as uh, tailoring every individual player program to where uh, I talked to Traquan Smith about this, uh, where they look at every limb on the player and measure the strength and capacity of of, of those uh, different muscles and then tailor the program to that individual and to each part, body part, so they can strengthen each one to try and avoid maybe some of these uh, soft tissue injuries that really hounded them a year ago. Uh, so it's very forward thinking for the Saints. They paid a premium to get uh, Shea in there. But I think they realize that it's something they had to address because of the number of injuries they, they had last year. Well, if you were if you were, if he were a piece of equipment, you know, if you if this this new trainer were a piece of equipment and you could invest in that equipment and save yourselves millions of dollars, you'd probably do it. And that's what we're talking about here, isn't it? Yes, exactly. And 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 I think the players are very receptive to this 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 new way of learning, this new uh, program. So it's going to be fascinating. I'm looking forward to uh, getting to know him a little bit better and finding out exactly how it's being applied. Because right now the, the Saints are in the middle of their offseason conditioning program. The coaches are all on vacation. So it's going to be a, a quiet week. They're laying low, the calm before the storm. They'll all be back next week in the office getting ready for draft, deep draft preparation starting next week. So quiet this week. Crazy busy the next two. You know, actually coming back to Traquan for a second, I forgot how big he was. And the other thing about him is, if you if you take a trainer and you just make him bigger and better, he could have a great year this year, couldn't he? 
Yeah, he's just got to stay healthy, and he he knows that. He's talked about it. I mean, he's had a lot of bad luck. It's not been one lingering issue. It's been a, a variety of things that have kind of derailed him. And as soon as he starts so, showing progress, he gets a concussion or a hamstring injury, uh, and you could just see how frustrated he was. I remember last year in training camp, Ricky, he was having a great camp, and then he pulled up after making a great catch down the sideline right in front of us, tremendous catch from – from uh, Jameis Winston, and you could see his face, how frustrated he was. He knew he'd tweaked his hamstring, and he was out the first four or five games. He's got wow. great potential, and, yeah. and I think he gets overlooked because it's it's what you know. There's always hope on the horizon, right, with draft picks and new new players. Sometimes the best player is the one in the building that just needs to get a little more opportunity. Okay, so uh, Pelicans, um, play-ins happening. Remind people, when they hear play-in, some people may not even know what that means. What, what, tell them about that new added feature this well, year. It, yeah, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, implemented this a couple of years ago, and it's been very popular. And it's look, it's the Pelicans are the greatest example of why it's worked. If, if there wasn't a play-in format, the Pelicans would be done. They would not be able to compete because they're not in the top eight. But the way it works now is the number nine and ten teams in each conference get a chance to play their way in to the seven or eight seed. Uh, actually, the way the Pelicans are, uh, are formatted, they've got the number nine seed. They have a chance to get the number eight seed by winning the play-in game against the Spurs. And this, look, we're recording this before uh, you know they've actually played the game. But they, if they win that game, they would play Friday night against the Los Angeles Clippers, who lost as the number uh, eight seed to the Timberwolves. Uh, so now it'd be, then it's winner, winner goes, uh, the loser goes home, and the other team gets in the playoffs. So if the Pels can win two of these play-in games, they can get the number eight seed in the playoffs. So it creates a little interest. It creates more enthusiasm in different NBA markets right now. Some say it waters it down, and I think there's an argument for that because – Let's face it, Ricky, there's 15 teams in each conference, and 10 of them now are kind of uh, alive in the play-in, playoff hunt. Uh, so it, 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 there's not very many teams that aren't uh, in the play uh, postseason with the NBA, but it does create enthusiasm for a market like New Orleans that started 1-12. and It seemed like hope was lost. Now they're still playing for something. Well, they've made some great moves along the way, and they've really put together what seems like a cohesive young team that is, you know, getting the best out of each other, and they're doing it without Zion. Right. That's where the potential for this team is off the charts because he's he's a rare generational talent when healthy and in shape. Uh, he can be a difference maker. But the trade you and I have talked about, the trade for C.J. McCollum, that was a game changer. Uh, they do not have a player like him, a veteran, professional stud. You know, this is a guy that his contributions on the court have been better than I thought. He's averaging 25 points a game, assists, rebounds, uh, he's just all over the place. But off the court, his leadership, his professionalism, and, and to Zion Williamson's credit, he's been in C.J. McCollum's hip pocket the entire time. They sit next to each other on the bench when McCollum comes out of the game. They've been on the road going to dinners together, sitting together. This is the chance to get Zion back in the fold, I think, that the Pelicans needed. And I think he's going to end up being the linchpin to this future of this franchise. I hope, I hope you're right, because that will be so much fun to pay attention to. Hey, listen, we're going to shift gears real quick. I noticed where one young man, one quarterback, is looking at maybe $10 million. 
collegiate money once he signs. Uh, you, you're close to the Manning family. Cooper's son, Arch Manning, is highly recruited. We see all these teases about these visits and these revisits that he's doing. What are you hearing these days? Well, it's a lot of shifting sands right now. Uh, I think, frankly, Ole Miss, I hate to say this to some of the listeners and viewers out there, I think they're on the outside looking in for Arch Manning, which is kind of shocking considering the lineage. I think it's a three-team race with Virginia as the fourth outside dark horse, the three teams being Georgia, Alabama, and Texas. I don't think LSU is a serious contender. I think it's going to come down to one of those three, and I don't think there's any favorite right now. I think it's still wide open. I think uh, he's still trying to make up his mind, but you mentioned the NIL money. That's going to be there for him really wherever he goes because of the Manning brand and the name, and the Mannings know that. Uh, so I wouldn't rule out any of those four teams, even Virginia, because of the ties there. His sister's in school there. His mother went to school there. He's got a lot of friends there, some other Newman teammates that are there. Uh, that might be like the alternative that no one's thinking of, uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out any of those four because I think it's that wide open. Could he be? Because he doesn't need the money. God knows the Manny family's done quite well. <clears throat> Could he be a record setter? Oh, I think he's going to be a can't-miss prospect. I think he could go to Delgado Community College and be an NFL quarterback. I mean, he's he's his grandfather, Charlie Heidensfelder, said it years ago in a story I wrote. He said, Arch has been programmed to play quarterback. That was the perfect way to describe it. I mean, he's come up with his uncles who were all pros and Super Bowl MVPs teaching him how to play the game, and he's just on another level from his classmates at that age. And it's going to be fascinating to watch this recruitment play out this year. I think they've taken their time and want to make sure they cover all their bases, which is typical of the Manning family. Well, so, so you know, you have high hopes and you believe that his talents are that good. And what could come with that is millions we've never seen before at the college level. Right. Well, I mean, he's got a name that is incomparable. I mean, that's the first family of football in America. No one has ever come into the college game with the lineage and heritage that Arch Manning will come into. And that's what, whatever program gets him, they're getting that cachet, the Manning cachet to go with it. It's worth its weight in gold and recruiting uh, and prestige. So it goes beyond just his physical talent, which is enormous unto itself. Could he be the first $50 million man? (laughs) It'd be interesting. Hey, listen, I... That's that's a real possibility. It's going. It, it will be a bidding war to get him uh, signed on for sure. So anyway, listen, Jeff, we're out of time. It's been a pleasure to catch up with you. You're the man. I appreciate you visiting with us on Fridays, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, Ricky. Have a great weekend. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.